Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to give you a quick synopsis of the studies we have covered so far on the subject that we have been teaching on for several weeks now. And I believe this is the sixth week on the subject. If you recall, we have launched the series Keys to Walking in the Spirit with Mixing Faith with the Word of God. This key was the first one we have covered. And in this particular study, we looked at the scriptural example. Actually, we looked at two scriptural examples. One of Peter, who was enabled to walk on the water because he mixed faith with the word that Jesus said to him, come. We also looked at the widow in the Old Testament who was heavily in debt, and by mixing faith with the words that the prophet Elisha gave to her, she was able to access the supernatural power of God and ultimately release herself from the bondage of debt. In this study, we also learned that our two primary spiritual laws on the earth, the law of sin and death, which was released through Adam's disobedience in the garden, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which was released into our world by the obedience of the Lord Jesus. Both laws are in operation in our world today, and in order to supersede the law of sin and death and its destructive results, we need to activate the law of the spirit of life and walk in the Spirit. The way we do this is by hearing the rhema words of God and mixing faith with them. In other words, doing what the Word says do. We also looked at the fact that the bridge between the natural and the spiritual world is the Word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. In the second study we covered, the principle of adopting a spiritual attitude in our approach to life, as well as these various challenges we are presented with. We looked at the scriptural example of David and Goliath and its victorious outcome as a result of David's attitude. David faced Goliath in battle while adopting a spiritual, confident attitude by calling the giant and uncircumcised Philistine and defeating him with spiritual weapons. You see, David saw Goliath as well as himself in the spirit and not in the natural. We also looked at the example of the ten spies who, when they spied the promised land, came back and gave a negative report 
because they adopted a natural carnal attitude as opposed to a spiritual one. They were influenced by what they saw in the natural, in the physical, rather than by what the word of the Lord promised them. To adopt a spiritual attitude means that we view life and its challenges from the word's perspective and not from the natural or physical perspective. It also means that we focus on solutions which the word provides and not on the problem. The more you focus on the problem, the more you focus on the circumstances, they become bigger. But the more we focus on the word and the promises of God, God becomes bigger and our problem becomes smaller and smaller. We also covered in this lesson the ability we received as believers to see things through the eyes of the Spirit and not just through our natural sight. And the Word enables us to see things as they really are and not as they appear to be in the natural. We also looked at the fact that as believers, we need to develop our spiritual senses through the Word of God so that we might be able to walk in the Spirit as the Word teaches us to do. Our spiritual senses are developed by exercising in the Word of God or by practicing the Word of God. The third key we looked at was fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. In this study, we took a closer look at the early church and how they developed such a close and intimate relationship with Holy Spirit who empowered and guided them through all of the affairs of life. In all of their affairs, they acknowledged His presence with them, and as a result, He was able to help them to walk in the Spirit. We also looked at the fact that in developing and nurturing such a close, intimate relationship is to honor and continually acknowledge his presence with us and in us. By habitually acknowledging his presence, we are actively giving him room to speak, to guide and teach us in all of the affairs of life. In this study, we looked at two very important scriptures from 1 John chapter 2, and we looked at verse 20 and verse 27, which assures us of his ever-abiding presence with us. Verse 20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, speaking of the Spirit, and you know all things. In verse 27 we read, But the anointing which you have received from him, that is the Spirit, abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. We are on the fourth key. The fourth key we looked at was the ability to pray in the Spirit or pray in other tongues. 
in this lesson, we saw from the scriptures that when we are praying or speaking in other tongues, we are speaking by the inspiration of Holy Spirit, divine mysteries, which only God understands. But through the gift of interpretation, we can receive the wisdom of God and thus access the realm of the Spirit. This exercise not only strengthens us in our spirits, but according to the Word of God, it also enables us to access the mind of Christ and be able to walk in it. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, capital S, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we see in these verses of Scripture that the praying with groanings, which cannot be uttered in articulate speech, is searching the mind of the Spirit and gaining access into what God knows. So this is also confirmed in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through to 13. Finally, in lesson number five, that was last week, we looked at what the scripture refers to as the witness of the Spirit. We define this inner witness as an inner knowing or an inner assurance or intuition which is communicated to our spirits by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.16 tells us the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I did mention to you that this is the most common way the Lord guides all of his children. There are things the scriptures are silent about or they are not clear. And I gave you a number of examples like, where do you live? Where to fellowship? Finding your spiritual family? Many other things that the scripture is quiet or silent about. In all of these areas, we need to follow the direction or the witness of the spirit within us. I gave you a number of examples last week from my own spiritual journey with the Lord and showed you how he led and guided me through the witness of the Spirit. And I have been blessed and protected throughout the years by being sensitive and obeying this inner witness. I have also explained and answered a frequent asked question that troubled me for quite a length of time, such as why such horrible things, destructive things happen in the lives of honest and sincere believers. And one of the reasons is either not being aware of or not following this inner witness of the Spirit that many times the Lord endeavors to protect us uh, from certain disasters. One vivid example that I mentioned to you was years ago when my wife did not listen to her heart or to that inner witness telling her not to go 
a certain route, route driving back home and what happened to her at that particular time. Now the key, we, we did teach that the key to being aware and sensitive to this inner witness is to maintain always a clear conscience. Keep your conscience clear. Do not violate your conscience. If our conscience is being violated regularly, we will end up with a seared conscience. The Bible calls that a seared conscience and unable to listen to that inner witness. And Paul refers to this phenomena in his epistle to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he said, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So, I want to conclude this series today with key number six, entitled, The Renewed Mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we read the following. It's a very familiar verse of Scripture. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, in order for us to consistently walk in the Spirit and prove what is that good, that acceptable, and the perfect will of God, we need to obtain a renewed mind. A renewed mind is a mind that's been restored and trained to think like God thinks. It is literally what the Bible calls the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is a renewed mind. That is a spiritual mind, not a natural understanding. Now, the reason for this is because the carnal mind or the mind of the flesh, that's what the Bible calls the natural mind of the flesh, calls it a carnal mind. In other words, it's of the flesh, it's earthly, it's sensual, cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to this mind. And we read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, you see, the natural man is the man who has not received the Spirit of God, but even people who have been born again, they have done nothing with their minds. In other words, they have not endeavored through the years to renew their minds with the Word of God. They have not studied the Word of God. They have not meditated in the Word. They are ignorant of God's promises and God's thoughts, and they continue to walk with a carnal mind. That's what the Bible calls also carnal Christians. It's not that they're not believers. It's not that they're not going to go to heaven and be with the Lord if they die. It's that they are immature they are still fleshly people because their mind has not been renewed to think the way Christ thinks. 
And this is one of the major, major problems that we have in the church worldwide today. People have been born again. Even some of them have received the, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but they have not renewed their minds to any extent. They still think like the world thinks. They behave like the world behaves. As Andrew Womack says, if you get arrested, if someone arrests you as a Christian because you're a believer, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict you. In other words, we think like the world thinks, we speak like the world speaks, we cuss like the world cusses, and then you stand back and you wonder, wow, is this person truly born again? It's not that they're not born again, it's they have done nothing with their minds. They still continue in that old mindset. And that is a tragedy, especially if a person is, is a believer for years and he has done nothing with his mind. That is not a good testimony. And I say this, no one can walk in the spirit by having an unrenewed or a carnal mind. It's impossible. Scripture says it is impossible for the carnal mind to be subject to God. It will not obey the Lord. It does not receive the word of God. In Romans chapter 8 verse 7, we read the following. The carnal mind is enmity against God. No, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be subject. So whenever... A carnal-minded person hears the word of God, for instance, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use and person. It just spits it out. It says, no, it cannot receive that. Or if you, if you look at the examples that we have studied so far, where Elisha tells this woman, go and borrow many vessels, not a few. And she only has one little jar of oil at home. A carnal mind would immediately reject that and call that foolishness. How can you tell me to do that? That's, that's just foolish. That just can't happen. So that is why a carnal-minded person will never be able to walk in the realm of the Spirit. It is foolishness to them. Because the word of God will always contradict the natural, especially the carnal mind. So all of the keys we have studied in this series, they are subject to a renewed mind. Mixing faith with the word is only possible through a renovated mind, a renewed mind, a spiritual mind. And the Bible is very clear about it. It talks about a spiritual mind spiritual understanding, and a carnal mind, and a natural understanding. So we cannot mix faith with the Word unless we first of all receive the Word of God as the Word of God. Receiving and accepting that Word requires to have a spiritual mind. The same with the second principle that we've studied. Adopting a spiritual attitude is a byproduct of a spiritual mind. Receiving and acknowledging the presence of Holy Spirit and the assistance he gives us requires, again, a renewed mind. What about speaking in other tongues? The reason why many believers refuse to speak in other tongues is because they think it's foolishness. 
Well, well that, that's, they, they would say, well, you just making up those sounds, the natural mind will tell you, or that's just gibberish. I mean, it's a waste of time. That is the unrenewed mind. Speaking in other tongues cannot be possible to the carnal mind because it is utter foolishness. And by the way, I received a testimony that one of you, I'm not going to say who, through the teaching that we've done on speaking in other tongues, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So praise God, they spoke in other tongues. That's wonderful. So only those who are spiritually minded can exercise and operate in the Spirit. Now, as you can see, all of the things that we taught and gave scriptural examples are subject to people who have obtained, to some degree, a spiritual mind. The inner witness of the Spirit is a spiritual phenomenon. You cannot explain this by the natural understanding. They will ask you, how do you know you saved? How do you know you received what you prayed for? I mean, you can't see it. You can't feel it. How is it that you know? And, and, and these are things that you cannot, no matter how much you try to explain in the natural language what you sense in the spirit. Because it's a spiritual thing. Carnally minded people have silenced the conscience by continually violating them. So, the exercise of obtaining a renewed mind, we need to understand that, is a process a process of many years, not just an instantaneous thing. When it comes to salvation and being born again or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can be born again in a minute. But when it comes to the renewing of the mind and adopting a spiritual attitude, it takes years of diligent study in the Word of God. And you have to be a diligent student of the word of God. As Jesus said, if you continue in my word, and the key word there is to continue, to remain, to abide in my word. Then he said, you are my disciples indeed. And as a result of continuing in the word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So it's a continuation, staying in the word, feeding on the word, remaining in the word, meditating in the word continually. So it's important that we need to understand that. The key word, as we said, is to continue. Now, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is activated and released by spiritually minded people. Therefore, we conclude that if we desire to consistently walk in the power of the Spirit, we must obtain a mind that is renewed by the Word of God. What most times happen is that now we walk in the Spirit and now we fall back in the flesh. Now we walk in the Spirit and then we fall back in the flesh. And we have this constant battle going on in our lives between walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. The way to overcome that is to have a mind that is constantly renewed with the thoughts of God. And that takes diligent study and work and practice to constantly say, what does the Word of God say about this situation? And one of the things that we 
do often and fall into this trap is to continue to meditate on the problem, on the crisis, on the circumstance, on the lack, and we, and we talk about it all the time, we emphasize it, we communicate it, and when we do that, we obscure the promises of God rather than going directly to the solution and talking about the solution to the problem, we usually focus on the problem itself. And that's what the carnal mind does. And uh, it's interesting to note that in the, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26, the word says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That is the secret to a victorious Christian life. It is a mind that stays on God and refuses to move out of that position. And that's where the peace is. That's where the rest is. We stay on God. We meditate on the word of God. And we continually talk about what God says rather than what our natural circumstances say. And Colossians tells us the same thing. He says, if you have been risen together with Christ, then he says, uh, focus on where Christ is. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. And, um, and that's the key to a victorious Christian life. Well, folks, I think we've covered this subject. I know that perhaps there are other keys that I have not found or discovered from the scriptures but uh, that's been a blessing to me by um, teaching this this series on keys to walking in the spirit so we'll see what god has for us next week i'll be seeking him for a fresh revelation in order to um, to teach on other subjects as well thank you for your participation thank you for your testimony and um, we will close in prayer and then we will pray for Peter's mom and we will also pray for uh, Natasha. I pray that uh, we pray that she will speedily recover from her fall. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for your precious words and we thank you for the time we spend meditating, studying your precious word. Thank you for times such as these where we can come together and fellowship around the word of God and around the things of God and just encourage one another in the word as your word instructs us to do. I thank you for each and every member of my spiritual family, wherever they are. And so, so many, Lord, of us are scattered abroad but thank you for means of modern technology that at least we can come together once a week. We can fellowship with one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, and teach the precious word of God. I lift each and every one up to you, and it is my prayer, Lord, my fervent desire that you would fill each one of us with the knowledge of your will, Father, in all the wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that we may walk worthy of the Lord's calling upon our lives, that we may be fully pleasing you and being 
productive, bringing fruit to the kingdom and to the glory of your precious name. We pray that you would strengthen us by your spirit in our inner man, that you would empower us and breathe upon us from day to day, that we may face life and the challenges life presents in an attitude that is confident in you, in an attitude that is spiritual, so that others may see that we believe in God who is alive and who is at work in our midst from day to day. We lift up Lord Natasha to you when we pray for a speedy recovery, Father. Pray that you would touch her as we send forth the word of healing to her in Jesus' name. And we pray, Father, for Peter's mom. I know that the doctors have diagnosed this 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 illness. We look to you, Father, and we pray that you would give wisdom how to deal with this, how to combat this. We pray that her faith would rise up in the name of Jesus and claim that divine healing and health that belongs to her. So we lift her up and cover her with our prayers and we give you thanks as we send forth today the word of healing and health. It is written in your word, Psalm 107, verse 20, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. We bless you, Father, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.